the armor is primarily used to do combat with Satan and, of course, the other fallen angels. We have come thus far down to uh, the helmet that you need to wear, and we'll talk about that this morning because each piece of the armor is designed for a specific reason, a specific kind of attack that the devil will make upon us, and we'll look at that in just a moment. But to sort of get a background, you know that we are constantly bombarded every day, either by newspaper or talk show host or by uh, radio news commentators about uh, the liberals and the conservatives and uh, the liberal in, in Washington want to regain control of Congress. And one of the number one factors that they blame as to causing the, the conservatives to win would be the fundamental right Christians. And, of course, they are being lamb-blasted almost on a weekly basis. I guess you might say they are looked upon as the uh, thorn in the side of, of the liberals because, you see, many people today in this country feel it's their right to be evil. It's their right to practice sin. It's their right to break the commandments of God. And, of course, the, the conservative Christians do not want people to do this, do not want the laws of God broken. Do not want people to do that which is evil. And so there is, of course, a conflict between these two groups. One wants to be very lenient and do away with all laws restricting their conduct. And the other wants to be more confining, restricting, and forcing man to obey the laws of God. And so you can see there's going to be a clash here. Many say that we are following the same road to destruction that the Roman Empire followed. And that if we keep on practicing what we're practicing now then we're going to make the same fatal mistake, end up in the same dilemma that Rome did. Some say we have one year or two years or three years, not very long, turned the country around morally, economically, socially. I do not have a time prediction for anything like this. But I do believe that we are living in a time when there is tremendous pressure being put on the Christian to shut up and to stay out of public affairs and stay out of all affairs that cause people to be restricted by their laws and by their beliefs. There are some Christians who feel you should definitely get involved in a political process outside of voting, running for an office. Get on school boards, get on city councils, run for offices in the county and the state, become a senator, become a representative. This is the way they say to pass laws, to force upon the nation the fundamental right principles of Christianity. Others say we should not do anything. What is your viewpoint? All of us, whether we have a viewpoint or not, who are conservative, fret about the situation we see ourselves in every day. We complain, we blame, and we pray. But it does seem that the forces of evil are gaining the upper hand, and uh, there seems to be no sign that the tide is permanently turning to the side of the Christian. The balance that we have is uh, really not on the side of the fundamental right. Some are looking for even another country to go to. I, I don't uh, know of any doing this, but maybe the thought has crossed your mind, I'll, I'll just go to some other country. Well, you're probably going to have the same problem wherever you go in the world. Because you see, the devil is going to attack all societies and the whole world. And so the worst things become, tendency we have is to become weary, to give up trying, to give up hope, feel like there's no way in the world that we're going to 
eventually change anything, and so we get derailed in our efforts by discouragement. And throughout this series of sermons on spiritual warfare, I mentioned various goals that Satan has, and again I repeat just one of those, that he does his best to stop us from carrying out the will of God. Stop us from serving God. Stop us, in this sense, trying to influence other people to obey God. Stop us from trying to influence other people to serve God. In other words, he says into you, Mind, he says, don't, don't talk to anybody about that. Don't talk to anybody about Christ. Don't talk to anybody about condemning them or what they're doing wrong. Don't try to correct anybody. Just be quiet. It's the best way to stay out of trouble. And so he floods our minds with several reasons why we should just do nothing. Back ourselves into a corner and pull the cover over our head and just act like nothing's going on. Leave the devil's forces alone. Why? And he says, well, because if you try, it won't do any good. All it'll do is make people resent you. And actually, you're going to make things worse instead of better. And you'll probably stir up more trouble than it's worth. And still in the end, you're going to fail. And when you fail, people are going to uh, criticize you for trying. And they're going to criticize you for failure. So you're really better off if you just don't do anything. Now, these are very discouraging words to us, but how often do we listen to them? And so he says, the call that God puts upon you is really an impossible call. Do you understand that? It's a hopeless situation. You're not going to be able to perform and get the results that you want. And so he tries to get us tired of fighting before we ever fire the first shot. He predicts the outcome of the battle before we ever go in to the skirmish. He tries to convince us that we'll accomplish most by doing the least. That is, you do more by doing nothing. Now that's, that's his philosophy as to how to do battle with him and the evil we see around us in society. You don't want to make things worse and that's what's going to happen because you'll make it worse on you. You'll get persecuted and you'll get attacked and you're going to make it harder on you to have an enjoyable life and a pleasant life. It'll just keep you stirred up. It's best that you just don't get involved and fight against evil around you. I think discouragement is one of the most successful, if not the most successful, tactic or tool or weapon or strategy that the devil uses against dedicated Christians. If you've ever entered the struggle against wrong, let me ask you the question. How many people actually have you influenced and changed? How many people have you turned from a pursuit of sin to a pursuit of holiness? How many, if you tried this now, how many have you done? How many souls have you led to Christ? And the reason many people say I've hardly none is because they said it, it's, it's so hard. They won't listen. So therefore, why even try? How many perishing have you rescued? How many backslidden Christians have you won back to the Lord? You see, it is hard because the devil will fight you every step of the way. And so the devil says, why waste your time? Why waste your energy? Can't you find better things to do that will bring about better results? This is a hopeless battle you're getting in, Christian. They won't listen to you. And you'll be better off if you just don't do anything. And so you're fighting a losing battle. 
So don't lose. You don't lose by just don't fight. Now, it's against this kind of propaganda that Paul states we need to put on this next piece of armor spoken of in Ephesians chapter 6. And in this case, we're in verse 17. And here's a piece of armor that you need to wear to do battle against this propaganda attack that nothing you do is going to work, so don't do it. That propaganda attack is best met by putting on this next piece of armor. It's spoken of in verse 17. He says, and put on the helmet of salvation. It sounds strange for Paul to tell Christians who already have salvation to put on salvation. It is rather confusing. If you have a shirt, somebody says, put on your shirt. We say, well, I already got a shirt on, man. And so we who are born again, who claim to be Christians, claim we, we are saved, we have salvation. I mean, how can Paul tell those who have salvation to put on salvation? Is there a double salvation? Well, to be honest with you folks, there is a triple salvation. Salvation has three sides to it, three aspects to it, three benefits to it. First of all, there is salvation from the past. We call this justification. That is, your past sins have been forgiven, and you have been saved from condemnation to hell if you die. You have salvation from sin in the past. Now, that's one kind of salvation, and usually when we use the term salvation, that's what we think about. I was lost in sin. I was forgiven. I was saved. I was made a Christian. That's only one aspect of salvation. In a real sense, it looks back what I was and what I became. Well, that's the past history, so to speak. That's your past testimony. Let me tell you my salvation testimony, and most people tell you about when they got saved. Well, your salvation testimony should be more than that. You should have a present salvation testimony, and you should have a future salvation testimony. You really ought to have three salvation testimonies. Now, the second salvation testimony is what we normally call sanctification. That is, we're going to only say from sin's penalty in the past, we're also saved from sin's power in the present. Sin should not reign over you. Sin should not conquer you. Sin should not pull you down. Why? Because now you have salvation from the power of sin. And that's the present salvation. And so we've taken up the past, and now we've gone to the present. There is a future salvation, future history. And we normally call this glorification. The first one is justification. The second one is sanctification. And the third one to come is called glorification. These are three aspects of salvation. And it's this third aspect of salvation, the glorification aspect, that Paul says, I want you to put on salvation. I want you to put on a helmet that will protect this glorification salvation. And so this is the salvation that we're talking about now, the third tense, the futuristic salvation. In the battle with the devil, the one thing he wants you to lose is hope. And the one thing you must maintain if you're going to keep fighting him in the face of so many losses is hope. And so this salvation, the helmet, is to protect 
the hope that you must have to do battle with him. We call it the victor's hope. We call it the hope of the eventual conquest. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 Let us who are of the day be sober. Let us put on, now notice, the helmet. Here it is again. Let us put on the helmet, which is the hope of salvation. Salvation's hope. And so the hope, salvation hope, is protected by the helmet that we're to put on. Everybody normally looks at the devil and says, why, his side's winning. His forces are winning. He is on the winning side. We are on the losing side. And Paul says, wait a minute. You must have taken off your helmet. You shouldn't be talking like that. Put on the helmet of salvation and have your hope restored. Protect that hope that you have. Don't lose sight of the hope that salvation brings to you. I know it's hope of the future, but don't lose sight of that. For there is coming a day when the smoke settles and the last shot is fired and the war between good and evil will be over. And he says, you know what? You are going to end up on the winner's side. Don't lose hope. You're going to win. Maybe not individual skirmishes day by day, but you're going to end up when the battle's over on the winning side. Your hope tells you exactly how this whole war with the devil is going to end. Now, we look at it moment by moment and fight by fight, but the Lord says your hope looks at it in a whole different viewpoint. It takes in the whole span of the battle and then sees the end of the battle, and then the hope gets revived and says, I see I'm going to win. The devil may win a few fights now, but I'm going to win the war. And so a hope is based on knowing exactly how this whole warfare with the devil is going to end. Let me give you an idea of what your hope is built on. Revelation 20. Here's the true picture, folks. I don't care how things are going now. If they seem to be going downhill, it doesn't make any difference. Let me tell you how it's going to end. And that's important. In any battle, you're always going to know how is it going to end. Well, you're going to win. See, you may say, well, I'm losing. I don't care. You're going to win. The tide is going to turn. And in the spiritual battle, you are going to win. Now, keep that hope alive. Otherwise, you'll quit fighting. You never stop fighting if you know you're going to win. And the devil, Revelation 20, 10, and the devil that deceived them. Now, notice the one we say is always winning. He's going to lose. He is cast into the lake of fire and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. You can remind him of that. You can taunt him. The fact is, that's going to happen to him. So he's going down. It may seem like now he's standing strong. He's going down. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. Who is them? All those that have rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. All those who now seem to be oppressing the Christian. All those now who seem to be getting away with their sins. Uh-huh. They're going to lose. When the battle smoke ends, folks, they're going 
to lose. They may over-oppress you now, and they may set you back now, and they may laugh at you now, but I'm telling you, they're going to lose, and their loss will be horrendous. I saw the dead, that's those that seemingly get away with their sin, small and great stand before God, and a book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged, that is, they have been raised now, out of the things written in the books, according to their works, all their sinful ways which they demanded they be allowed to practice, yeah, they're going to now reap the consequences, all right? And the seed gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to his, and I'm going to add this word, wicked works. And guess what? And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Guess who was with there first? The devil. Now, the devil's not going to torment the wicked. The devil's going to be tormented along with the wicked. All the devil's doing is really recruiting an army of unsaved folks to go to hell with him. That's all he's doing. S misery, suffering loves misery, or misery loves sorrow, you want to put it. And the devil says, if I got to suffer, I'm going to make everybody else I can suffer. And that's exactly what's going to happen. You don't get away with sin. Neither the devil nor the sinner is going to win, folks. He will lose. Now, put on hope and protect that hope because I'm telling you exactly what the Bible says is going to happen. No matter how the battle goes with you in an individual skirmish day by day, you will one day stand with the victory crowd. And I just read you a story of those who do not have victory. In the war against God, they lose. You stand with those who win on the side of God. The day of the devil's reign and ruin will surely come to an end. His ruin won't, but his reign will, and the ruin he causes will come to an end. And you know, Paul calls this the blessed hope, the blessed hope. You see that word hope? It is our blessed hope that the Lord himself is going to put an end to the devil's reign and the devil's victories and put down the devil's crowd. And yes, he is going to force upon this earth, his will be done. It's coming. And to us, that's the blessed hope. That's what we're trying to do now. That's what we're trying to win now in this nation of ours and in this world of ours. We're trying to put this nation under the laws of God. That will happen one day. It will when Jesus comes. That's the blessed hope. All right? Now, Paul refers to this salvation in Romans 13, 11. That is the salvation when we win. The salvation of glorification. The salvation when sin is put down. Paul says, and now knowing the time for us is to stay awake. It's time for us to wake up and realize that our salvation is nearer than we ever believed. Meaning the Lord is about to step in, he says, come himself and bring about the downfall and the defeat of the forces of evil, including the devil and all the fallen angels. He said, this salvation is nearer than you think. And of course, that salvation is going to be brought in by the return of the Lord, which we still today think is closer and closer as to coming to pass. Titus 2, 11 through 13. 
For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we shall live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, and we're looking for that blessed hope. There's that word now, blessed hope, which is the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What's he going to do when he appears? The battle will be over. He will win. The devil shall be bound. And that's the hope that you and I live with. So we need to wear the helmet of salvation so that we are encouraged to daily go into battle against the forces of evil. Just keep your eye on the future. Take fact or take hope in the fact that Jesus is going to win. And when the fight is on and the way grows dreary and it seems that your failures outnumber your successes, because there is a future ahead, because there is an overthrow of the devil ahead, keep your hope alive. Not only that, let me tell you this, the salvation hope not only envisions the downfall of Satan and his empire, but it also takes into effect that you're going to be paid for your labor. You're going to be paid for a fight carried out, whether you want or not. You're going to be paid for the battles that you waged and seemingly the devil defeated you. You're going to be paid. That's your hope. No matter the outcome right now of the struggle, at the time you perform the battle, no matter the outcome, you're going to get paid. The hope of pay keeps a lot of folks working. The pay will be in the form of rewards that will be given to you, which you shall have throughout eternity as your payment. Every time the devil takes you on, even if, Seemingly, you do not win the thing you try to win against him. There is still going to be laid up for your reward. And since God is going to win the battle, you will get your reward. All right? And Satan can't take these away from you. So fight on. Say, well, it won't do any good. Yes, it will. It'll get you a reward. That's your hope. And Satan can't stop this. He may stop somebody from listening to you. He may stop somebody from obeying you, but he can't stop you from getting your reward. All the devil does is offer man earthly hope, hope that will one day be burned up. But the Christian is given a heavenly hope. Part of that hope involves you getting rewarded for your faithful fight against the devil. The hope of the devil <laughs> is that Jesus will lose. No way. The hope of unsaved mankind is that there is no God. There is no wrong. But they're going to lose. You see, the devil and the fallen angels and all those that follow him, they are really the ones caught up in a hopeless situation. If I was lost, there would be no hope. No hope of anything. No hope of future rewards. No hope of future bliss. No hope of winning against God. I mean, there's no hope to the life of a man outside of Christ. There's no hope for the future. Christian, put on your helmet. You have two hopes for the future. The hope that the devil is going to lose. And the hope that you will be rewarded for your struggle.